Welcome to the Next Generation Podcast. You're with Wazza and Dan. How you going, buddy? Not bad, mate. Another week, another Eagles win, eh? Yes, that's what we want to hear every week. And tonight's show is brought to you by Grand Style Homes. So give Joe and the team a call on 0421-169-399 if you're thinking about building a new home here in Perth. And if you mention the TNG Podcast team, you could be entitled to a $1,000 credit on your spend at pre-start if you sign up to build your new home with Grand Style Homes. It's good to see uh, Joe and the boys get on board for this week. Yeah, it's, it's something a bit different, isn't it? Yes, and guys, um, each week we'll be giving the opportunity to advertise a company here on uh, the Next Generation podcast. So if you want to be involved in that for the week, uh, just message us on our TNG podcast page or private message either myself or Dan. And talking about podcasts, I'm pretty time poor, so I don't get to listen to as many as possible, but... I've been listening to some good ones lately, and one is Eagles Back Chat. Have you ever had a listen, Dan? Oh, you had a listen to that one, have you? Yeah, I thoroughly enjoy that one. It's uh, good to hear the boys, and it's great for a laugh, really. Oh, yeah. I, I seem to be driving along doing my work during the day, and I forget where I'm going because I'm pissing myself laughing. It's good to see the boys uh, <laughs> take their mickey out of themselves and their uh, ex-teammates and current teammates. So if you haven't had a listen, guys, do yourself a favour because it is pretty funny. And while we're on podcasts, give the guys at Go Footy a listen to every week. Uh, like they've said, the more people talking about the Eagles, the better. Alrighty, let's get on to the footy, mate. It's Anzac Day tomorrow, so out of respect for our diggers, we brought the show forward. Um, for these guys, the diggers, they they went to fight for our freedom, and we live the lives we live today. So we owe them that much, and I hope everyone gets down to a dawn service or the Anzac march because if, if it wasn't for those guys, we probably wouldn't be here. Yeah, that's it. I had a few family members uh, serve for the country. Um, just lucky enough that they all came home. And, yeah, so great story and great idea moving it forward today, I reckon. Yeah, my great-grandfather, he fought in the Battle of Somme back in the World War One, and he was one of the lucky ones that returned home. But there were so many that didn't. Um, with Anzac Day, we always have the Anzac Eve match, which is only a new thing, I think. Uh, Richmond and Melbourne. Um currently playing while we're doing our podcast and I think Richmond were up by two goals last time we had a listen a look yeah another prime time slot going to the Vic teams we get used to this thing don't we (laughs) it is a glorified VFL mate come on yeah that's it but I just think too like Anzac game was for a special occasion special day I think you're cheapening it almost that little bit by now having a, a Anzac Day Eve game, I just it it doesn't really actually sit right with me too much. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, I agree. And then let's get on to the Anzac game tomorrow, Collingwood versus Essendon. Now, you know, it's the second biggest game of the year, I guess, behind the grand final, ninety odd thousand people. Um but the old age debate, do they AFL leave it at those two teams or do they share it around? <laughs> you said to yourself old age debate um i just feel these victorian teams they don't really earn the right to much it's just given to them um i don't know why they just deserve these games every year why does carlton richmond open every year 
why does Carlton and Essen play every Anzac Day? You know, why is every grand final at the MCG? You know, why is it Collingwood travelled the least almost every year out of every time? It, it's just all these patterns in, in the AFL and it's always the same. And as we just mentioned, why is there another Vic team now playing Anzac Day Eve? You know, so you get used to it after a while. That's not a complaint as much as it's like... Well, you just said the AFL. I'll call it... Yeah. The VFL. Well, that's it. The VFL still exists. So if you want that, go back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's enough of the Victorians. Let's get back onto the WA. Um, let's get onto the Eagles. Um, it was good to see Vardy and Redden sign two-year extensions today. Yeah, that was great. And um, we've had a lot of players sign uh, already this year, which shows that they you know, like the path the Eagles are going down. It's obviously a good feeling and atmosphere there. And let's hope we can have a couple big... More signatures come very soon. Yes, it's weird that we get a lot of signatures, but the two we're waiting on. Um, after listening to those Eagles back chats, because Gaff's been on one and Gov has been on, I get the impression Gaff's a definite. He's yep. definitely going to sign. Um, I just got that feeling you can tell in his voice. When they were talking to Gov about you know his contract, he sort of like tried to push it to the side a bit. You know what I mean? Now... I'm hoping he stays and he signs. There is lots of rumours going around. He did give an indication a couple of weeks ago that he will sign and sooner than later, but until I see it. Yeah. I look at all these things we've had already, though. Maybe it's to get these players signed so then they know how much money's left in the salary cap to put a good offer towards these yeah, it could be. three players. Like, it's one way of looking at it. Um, and to put pressure on them say, look, these guys are staying with us. But... We talked about which one's more likely staying, Gaff or McGovern, and not to pick favourite players or which one's better in their position, but I've brought up on a previous podcast before, I think we would actually have right now a harder time replacing Gaff than I think we would have a harder time replacing McGovern. I think our midfield is not as strong as it has been in previous years, and Gaff is one of our best, where McGovern is our best backman, but we have so many backmen at the same time. So, you know, if you've got... If you're looking at an intercept mark where you can free Barass up, you know, we've got McKenzie, who knows when he'll be back, but we've got Schofield at all as well. Brander can be either end. I hope he stays a forward, personally, Brander, but he has been known to play defence as well. Well, we're going to talk about Andrew Gaff later in the show, but I'll bring it up now. At the start of the year, I put on social media the other day on their Next Generation discussion page that a lot of people were up for him to leave at the start of the year and get that combo pick. But I'm betting now that most would have changed their mind. And the response was favourable, that most of them would have changed their mind. Yeah, I don't quite understand that because this year we've moved him into the guts more. So he's not an outside mid, he's a little bit more of an inside mid. Um, but to me, he plays both roles so well. So I didn't understand why the perception around this player has changed because he can only really play where the team wants him to play. And he's done both positions so well, being the outside runner or the inside mid. Um, personally, I'm loving him as the inside mid. I think it's adding another string to his bow and he's playing some brilliant footy this year. Well, he, he was brilliant on the weekend. Um, but And he was best player by a long shot. Um, he was judged best player by the coaches. Um, in the TNG Eagle of the Year, he got three votes. Marston got two and Yo got one. But there's still people there knocking Gaff, saying, oh, he doesn't tackle enough. He doesn't do this. And I go, listen here, guys. His game is there to run and carry and link. Tackling is a bonus. 
Get the hell over it. Yeah, his tackles have gone up a bit this year, and that was his, you know, people's main. It's because he didn't have a tackle about... on the weekend. Oh, you no, know, he had one. He didn't no. have heaps. Oh, didn't really? Because I saw the stats and I saw one. No, he one. didn't have one. Um, but yeah, I think it was four last week as well. Yeah. Uh, um, but but yeah, how many other people get? You know, they say that he doesn't have tackle. But how many get the ball thirty-three times on average? That's He's it. averaging, I think, 29 possessions a game. And I think you posted it today. He's in the top two for distance covered in a game on average this year. Yeah, um, and he's only behind, say, 100 metres with travel distance yeah. behind the top spot. So when you're thinking of games and it's how many kilometres these players have run, we've now, you know, played five games, 100 kilometres in five games is not yeah. much at all. And that's always been his strength. Um, but I find now being an inside mid, which I'm loving about this his game this year, is the fact he's not the outside runner. So he's not setting the forwards up. He is pinching a couple of goals now in games, which he hasn't done in previous years. And I think that's the fact he's more in the guts, not on the outside. And I found out he is a competitive beast listening to that podcast. And yeah. he hates people beating him like for kilometres in a game and you know that's just going to drive him to be get it do it even more you know what I mean so I think we're on a good thing there uh, let's get into the uh, injuries <coughs> sorry for that Hamish Brayshaw he's uh, three weeks McKenzie still indefinite so and no one's from the clubs basically said what's going on there but it is turf toe so that's probably the year I reckon um, Alango, he was back on the training track. He's a big bugger, man. Big Have boy, that's for sure. Yeah, he's huge, mate. Uh, if he's uh, any half the half as good as Nick, Nat, we're laughing. Um, Liam Ryan, nine to ten weeks. Brad Shepherd, he's a test. He's got that corky, got it, and he hurt his uh, shin, I think, against the goalposts in the first quarter of a Carlton game. Uh, Shuey. He had a moon boot on the way back on the plane. Uh, probably the toe still giving him a bit of trouble. He's a test. Vardy could be available to play this week, but I don't think they will be. Venables is still 10 weeks. Slowly getting closer and closer, though, when, you know, especially Ryan's case, it was uh, 12, 13 weeks when he first got injured. So every week's getting closer. Um, Shui actually worries me. He's a test every week, and I'm just worried once he pulls out of a game from this injury he's have that he's carrying, I think he'll be out for a while. And that's what worries me. I hope it doesn't happen, but that's my worry. Well, fingers crossed it doesn't. Uh, let's get on to the game. Carlton and Eagles. Uh, Eagles won 10-19-79 to 10 goals, 9-69. Look, Carlton, that they come to play, uh, no doubt about it. That intensity was brilliant. They had McKay in his, one of his, I think it was his first game, four goals up here was brilliant. Um... Look, we've always talked about Patrick Cripps. How good was he, mate? Ah, uh, brilliant game by the young fella, and we always always say the same thing. Hopefully, <laughs> he wants to come home eventually. I that don't see it happening. Happen. Yeah, I don't see it happening no. either, mate. That would be brilliant, and it was good to see him. Just like um, him and Cripps. I mean, not Cripps and Sheed. They were in the under-18s, captain and vice-captain, and they were just giving it to each other on the field. More Cripsy giving it to uh, Sheed. Yep. And um, But, you know, it just showed you the, the size in Cripps up against Sheed. I, like, I, I see Sheed as a big body, but he was small compared to Cripps. 
Yeah, well, he's a he's a big boy, and maybe that's why he went a little bit later in the draft. Maybe people saw his size and thought, oh, he might not have the tank to run, but he's definitely got the tank. And, yeah, great player. Um, funny game, though, the Blues. It's uh, one that I always record the games to re-watch them. I haven't re-watched that game, not because I'm really disappointed at Eagles, just it wasn't a very attractive style of footy. See, Blues in weeks past have been slammed that they're trying to play a more attacking brand of footy, which has meant they've conceded a lot of goals and lost quite poorly. So that they said they've got to get back to their defensive-style gameplay, and that's exactly what they did. They turned this game into a grind. They wanted to be low-scoring. They wanted to flood the contests. That they, was their main thing, and that's exactly what they did. Um, they were coached very, very good. Yep. I did the same as you. I record every game, and I went and watched it again. Yeah. Now, I watched it for some some different reasons, just to see if my first impression was right, and I was. But I've said all along it was always going to be a close game. I'm not going to speak too much more about the game because I've got this game in my bake, and it's directed at some of the Eagles fans with rose-coloured glasses on. Yep. And so <laughs> don't take it personally, guys, but... There's too many of us out there that think we can do no wrong. Um, yeah, but we, we got the win. And the as win. I said, they wanted to turn into a grind. Yep. We played a grinding style of footy, defensive style of footy, and we won. That's what you want. But it's where and how we got our goals that was a worrying part for me. Yep. Um, if that was a better side, I'm not taking anything away from Carlton because they were good on the day. and But we were better because we won. Yep. But if that was against, say... Let's just say Adelaide in Adelaide or, say, Geelong at MCG or Richmond, we would have got caned. But that said, the style of play would be different. So then, in essence, the game would be different, which means we would open up, we'll get our better inside 50s, our better entries, which when we've won games well, that's what we've done. I, I look at body language when a team runs out onto a, onto a ground. And what I saw from the start, that's why I wanted to see it again, the lack of enthusiasm in their body on the MCG, I could see when they ran out in the ground before they went off into their positions. I just thought it was just a bit too, too laid back compared to what it was at Optus Stadium for the last couple of weeks. And that's what was worrying me. And when Carlton jumped out the blocks, I just thought, well, that's it. <laughs> and um, that's the only bit that worries me. But I, I might see things differently. Uh, like you said, it was a bump and grind. We, we got the win in the end. Usually we probably wouldn't come away with a win like that. Um, bad kicking, yes, that can be used. Um, intensity against us can be used, all different things. There's one thing I will bring up. Eagles need to start, when they tackle, tackle a bit harder. I've noticed that for the last two years. Their tackling needs a lot of work. Well, it wasn't really our game plan back in previous years where we used to corral people and try and force them to kick into our web or into our defence. Um, and that was it. Instead of to tackle and try and pin them for holding the ball, we actually tried to encourage them to kick long. And that fed into our you know intercept markers. Um, but this year I think we're proving on that. Um, but... I always want teams to tackle hard, or my team to tackle well, harder. We're and in the bottom. I agree half. with that. Oh. We're in the bottom half of tackling, but we're in the top half for everything else. So I guess you got to take and get give some. Uh, quickly, we're going to talk about Tom Cole. You've been one of his biggest 
um, fans, I guess, this year. Uh, getting him into the team, unfortunately, we had a family bereavement, which meant he couldn't play the opening game, which he would have. Um, he's waited for his opportunity. He's back in. He had 19 possessions, six marks, and he was impressive. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan, and I'm a big fan of Tom Coles from what he's done this year. Previously, I've... You know, I've liked the kid. You know, I like all the players and all the kids. But this is why I'm so tough on Nelson because this kid I thought needs a game. You know, and he comes in first game, he gets 90 disposals, he's got six marks, but he went at 95% kicking efficiency. Mm. That's brilliant. And an efficiency of that rate in your back line is brilliant. You don't you don't want them turning it over. Um, so yeah, I'm just so wrapped he got a game, and I'm just yeah, hope he keeps his spot. He deserves it after that effort. Oh yeah, he will. Right, we'll move on to East Perth. It's amazing they've uh, strung a couple of good wins um, after those two horrendous uh, losses. Um, they beat Perth at Laugh Lane, 21-10-136-15-9-99. Fraser McGuinness, again, he's showing that he's having a good year and he'll probably win back-to-back after he book medals. Uh, 46 hit-outs he had, two goals, so he was one of the best. Um, from a couple of uh, friends that I know that go down there, said he was best on ground. Um, Ainsworth, 23 disposals. Uh, Petricelli now, <laughs> four goals, showed a lot of pace. He only had the 11 disposals, but four goals. You couldn't ask for much more there, could you? That's brilliant, and... um. Yeah, he's obviously been used up in the forward half with that pace. He's obviously a damaging little forward up there. So great to see him hitting the scoreboard like that and putting pressure on all our other players. And I think the Eagles uh, selection team must have heard our podcast last week because it said, Callan England, how come he's not playing in the league? And voila, there he is. I've accused them <laughs> from listening to our podcast quite often, was I? And this is just another account of it. So it's the first time for the whole year they've um, actually played all of our players in the league and none in the reserves. Oscar Allen uh, come back. Yeah, he had six disposals, but that's, you know, he's coming back from shin splints. So, you know, you couldn't ask for too much more. He probably didn't get much game time. No, I didn't expect it. I expect overall great things from this player, but I definitely didn't expect it. People that listen to our podcast quite often hear me say, I, I rave about this kid, but we won't see him to the very tail end of the year if we even see him then. All right. Um, on our podcast page and our discussion page, um, Dan put this uh, question up. In a complete black and white scenario where you can't play three rucks once, Vardy is fit. Who would you have as backup to Nick Nat? Eva Lysett or Vardy? Now, at the beginning of the season, you were saying you were wondering if pin- people's opinions had changed and Vardy. Um, when I quickly had a look at the results today, I think it was resounding that people would pick Lysett. Yeah, it was something like 113 to 43. And the reason I... That's a big shift. That is a massive shift. And that's the reason... I actually put the pot is I wanted to see on his form if there was a shift because I did this pre-season because a lot of people realise I'm quite a fan of Lysette just because of his rucking ability and I saw potential in him and he's actually younger than Vardy which a lot of people wouldn't know bar that it's only a year um, so I backed him in but when I did this poll I realised I was one of the very few Vardy was like so like universally more liked in that 
second ruck role. Um, and understandably so, you know what I mean? I had my reasons for like it. But whenever people said they liked Vardy for these reasons, I never disagree because they weren't wrong per se. I just felt differently. Um, and yeah, it just it has swung Lysett's way. He's done exactly what I wanted him to do. Like I tried to throw a spanner in the works. I don't know if you noticed in the comments. I said, yeah, you'd pick Lysett, but why can't you pick Vardy in place of Waterman? Oh, okay. Now, this is a funny one. I've got nothing against Waterman, okay, but I've said before, give them a few games, but then there's nothing wrong with these young players going back to East Perth and bringing in another young player or another player. But to be honest with you, I wouldn't bring in Vardy as a forward. I would put him as a forward pinch-hitting ruck. But if you've already got two rucks there, you don't want the third. We've tried it before with Cox, Natanui, Lysette back in the day. Then we tried it with Natanui, Lysette, and Sinclair in the day. Never works. You're too tall up there. And we're already tall one. I would, if you wanted to drop Waterman and say, right, you've had a lot of games, let's give this young body a rest, go to his Perth for a couple of games, get, you know, get some games under your belt there, and you can come back. I'd bring in Brander. So how's that for throwing another two in the works? He kicked another two goals on yeah, the weekends. There's only a couple of centimetres difference in height. Yeah. Right, they're both going to play the same brand of footy, but with Vardy, you can pinch hit him in the in the ruck. Yeah, but we already got two rucks, and with Vardy, he's got to come in and average more than two goals a game. Ah, uh, look, yeah, we're all if different. he if he no if he comes in and warrants his spot, he gets a spot. Yeah. But I've heard that or playing forward, playing forward, he hasn't proven himself as a forward. He was a for, half forward at Geelong, but never proved himself. But Injuries never gave him the chance to. And he never did well when we rested him forward last year, uh, where Petrie did. So it was the reverse. Petrie was more forward than Ruck. Mm. But Vardy didn't kick many goals last year. Like, he kicked barely any. But as I said, Petrie was in there more, so it's a bit a hard knock on him. Yeah. But yeah, unless he goes into the East Perth, gets match fitch and averages three goals a game, then no, I'll go with the younger Brander. Give him game time with Waterman. Swap light for light because he's kicking the goals. Well, if it was me, selector, I wouldn't even go at all. I'd swap him and chuck him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to that later in the um, in the podcast. Well, this week the derby, the forty seventh derby, West Coast have won twenty six. Yes, people twenty six, and Freo have only won twenty. And I think Eagles won the last five. Now, uh, it's obviously a different build up compared to any other normal game. And we don't care what else was happening in the rest of the country, which is great because it's Victoria. Who gives a shit anymore? It's all about WA. This week, it's been... And the last couple derbies have been pretty lacklustre in promotions beforehand. But last night, the Ross Glendening medal fiasco, if that's what you want to call it. Now, everyone's got their own version or own, you know opinion on this my opinion is too many games have got medals and trophies attached to them it cheapens the game or cheapens the comp to me you have your Simpson medal in your state of origin you have your Norm Smith in the grand final and that's it um, I just don't understand every game you got like West Coast and Sydney you've got the, the Sydney the Sydney the HMSS Sydney HMS Cup. Cup, you know, and then now you got this derby, and then you know it just goes on and on and on. Um, there wouldn't be an issue about this if Freo had it done it five weeks ago and said, 
we don't want Glendinning's names attached to the Besson Ground medal. Um, from the start, I've always wondered why. Um, I've always thought it should be called the Derby medal, if anything. But at the end of the day, it's caused a media shitstorm. And now you got Frio people blaming West Coast, West Coast fans blaming Frio. At the end of the day, let's just get on play bloody football and forget about medals and trophies. That's my opinion. It's one of those things. It's how they tackled it, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, too late. They said, no, but they turned around and said, oh, it's because the sponsorship for the Derby, Carlton Draft Derby, pulled out. Yeah. And that was just a blatant lie. And he was turning around and said, no, Ross Glendinning's got nothing to do nah. with the sponsorship. And it was true. And they said, we wanted it to keep going. And then Freer basically lied, got caught out lying. And their players are the ones that, former players are the ones that actually kind of leaked that, that, that the Eagles were telling the truth. You know, McManus said this morning that it was name, the name that was the problem. And then I think Hazelby said the same thing. They don't like it because of the name. Yeah. Now, today they've gone on the front foot saying, oh, we don't want it because of this name. It's like, yeah, but you didn't say that the other day. You you canned it, blame something else, and and now you're backpedalling. And the medal is pushed by Channel Seven, not the CUB. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. but if you want to scrap it, scrap it. But don't you know? Be a little transparent here. Don't lie and make excuses. Yeah, and, don't and try leave, pass the buck. You and know? don't leave it to five days before the bloody game. Yeah, and I, I don't mind the medal because it's just for the Derby. Don't be surprised if there is a medal on the Derby, and it's called the Derby Medal, and it's probably all media propaganda pushing it up. Don't be surprised, but if there is a medal, that means they've known about this for a while and they're just trying to sell papers or try to sell a story. I to don't be know. honest, I don't want it now. I don't want it Yeah, either. like, I, I, before this, yeah, I did. But it's like, no, I, the reason it was Ross Glendenning, he wasn't the greatest ever Eagle. It was because he's an Eagle player that then went to Freo for three years, yeah. you know? So that's why, because he had a link to both yeah. clubs. So if you've thrown it out in a hissy fit, well, fine, don't have a medal if that's the route you and want to I don't go want, I just want Eagles to kick their ass. That's what I want. All I care. <laughs> and, uh, funny, I said something like that today. I said, um, it's the four points is all I care about. I don't care even about the Derby as much because, to me, I've got a, I prefer our rivalry with, say, Sydney and Hawthorne, who we've got these grand finals to, and finals games. To me, personally, just another game. Yeah. And because it's free, man, I don't give a shit. And who does it mean more to? If Freo oh. beat us, they beat the more successful WA team, the top of the ladder team. If we beat them, we've just beaten Frio again, yes. who we've beaten 26 times in the past, and are like, what, 10th <laughs> on the ladder? Like, It's not a scalp for the Eagles. We just want the four points. Like. That's it. Um, before I get into some questions about Frio and West Coast, uh, I'll go through Frio's uh, injury list. Uh, Michael Appenis, he could come back in for Tabana, and Tabana's out for uh, up to eight weeks. Harley Bunnell, he could be back in the waffle this week. Sean Darcy, well, it's, yeah, they're probably spewing because they could have used him this week in the ruck. Uh, Hugh Dixon, he's still iffy. Uh, Jairo, he's another week, I think. Brady Gray, still out with a hamstring. Bradley Hill probably will come in. He's a test, they've rested him, but he was close to having an ACL, they were saying, during the week. Ooh. So they sort of like had a bit of precautionary, held him off to see what's going on. So it'd be interesting to see if he does come in because they don't want to bring him in if there is a bit of a problem there. Mate, I... Um, and he's a brilliant player. I, 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 I rave about Bradley Hill. I, I never hide that. I called him to win. He's a West West boy, so. medalist or whatever the Freo one yep. is. Um, but, oh, my God, I hadn't heard that. And if you're getting warning that someone's was about to do their knee, 
you rest him how long you need to. You give him months out. I mean, you don't get warnings a lot of time with ACL injuries like I, that. I think so, it's a bit like the Mitchell White scenario. They sort of... I think he must have had scans. I couldn't see any ruptures or... So he didn't feel that they scanned and said all that almost went on you. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. I I think I just mentioned Michael Johnson. He could be come back in. He probably will come back in. Griffin Logue, he's still out for a while, so he won't play. Spur, he's out with a knee. And I can't even mention this guy's name, so I'll pass. Spitter Koski or something. Wit Koski. Uh... Tavener, as I said, is out eight weeks. And Alex Pierce had some scans during the week, but I think he's fine to go. So It's funny because it's actually quite a long list when you read it out. But none of these have, you know, cemented themselves in Alex their best Pierce 22. No, he's come back this year from injury, but he hasn't cemented himself in his best 22 in previous years. Oh, I know. Because he was in and Yeah, yeah. Like, he, but, don't even say, I'm not saying that. Tavener's the same. He's This year he's come in and he's cemented himself in it. But previously they haven't. He's in there, except I, for Bradley Hill. I'll give Freo one thing. Alex Pierce and Nathan Wilson have added to their back line, something that I thought was, and you've said it before, was a bit of their downfall. I think they've actually added to their back line. And yeah. um, they can be pretty dangerous, especially it, Pierce. It's a oh, I, it's funny. I'm going to be honest. I forgot about Pierce because <laughs> it wasn't my footy club. But I remember when he first came in, saying to my brother, who's sadly, I'll admit it, is a Docker supporter. Shout out to Ryan, by the way. Um, I said to him at the time, this kid's going to be a star. And we used to talk about this kid quite a bit. But then it's been, was it a year and a half, two years out through this injury? I honestly forgot about this kid. So him coming back in was a chain effect. He's such a great... Backman that we knew he would be, but now he's taking the number one defender, which then frees Hamling up mm. to take the second one. See, the problem was Hamling, although he's good, he was always the key defender then. Um, now he's a, getting the second best defender, and they had no good run out there, and Wilson does that, and he's one of the best for meters gained as well. For yeah, what, I like, he's Frio's best, at least. I like Nathan Wilson. He did at the Giants. Yeah. He's when he went to Frio, but uh, while he's there. Straighten them, straighten them right up back there. Yeah. So now their weak spots, they're forwards now. So that's yeah. what they got to get into control. Oh, well, I've got a couple of questions to chuck at you. Um, just try and answer briefly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try, but you know, it's not my strong suit, Warren. Alright, we know Ross Lyon, he's a defensive coach and bases his formula pretty much on other teams not scoring, like the Ilks of uh, Paul Roos and Mickey Moldhouse. Um, this season they've had a player that 17 clubs passed up on, and they picked him as a rookie and he's been taking scalp after scalp after scalp and that's Bailey Banfield. Who will he lock down and why? Bailey Banfield will play on Shuey. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't. Like in the JLT game? Yep. Um, yep. I'm not going to talk about Banfield much because anyone that's on the Next Generation Facebook page realises he was, when we are doing our mock drafts, was actually one of my favourites. Um, and it's funny we talk about Ross Lyon. He was one of the best coaches because of his defensive style. Now he's had to get out of that defensive style of gameplay. He's not really that great a coach anymore. So I think it's just funny how the game's progressed and he was the best. Even though he hadn't won that premiership, he was the marquee player. It was a big coup by the Dockers. And he brought that defensive game style. And now they're trying to break away from that. It's a little bit harder. And he's nowhere near the best coach in the competition now, let's be honest. Still a good coach. Nowhere near the best. All right. Fife is one of the best mids in business, if not the best. But Lockie Neal goes under the radar all the time and is, in my opinion, is probably more damaging. Who at the Eagles for one, can match them or emulate them this week because it's a long way to going 
to pick in who the winner will be? Well, Lockie Neal's not much different to Andrew Gaff, but Andrew Gaff's got the better disposal efficiency. So I'll let him go. I'll let him play on Gaff and... You know, I'll take that head-to-head any day. Um, Lockie Neal does turn a lot of footy over. So does Fife, actually, but he's got the record for that. But I'll chuck even you on Fife or keep Hutchings in on Fife. Lockie Neal scores goals. So is Gaff this year, though. Yeah, but... See, I I wouldn't have even... To me, I'd be putting somebody different on Lockie Neal. I'd be shutting down Lockie Neal and letting the rest run. Yeah, but you say Lockie Neal kicks goals. Five kicks more goals than Lockie Neal. No, it doesn't. You, you're joking. Lockie Neal kicked more Lockie goals Neal than five. Kicks more goals. That's got. That's actually surprised me. That's one of the wrenches you're throwing into the gears that actually threw me off. I just assumed that five would be kicking more goals. Um, but yeah, I still I think five's and, a lot more damaging and the, player. And the last four games that Freo played against Eagles, Lockie Neal has been their best player. Yeah, but that's because we've locked down on five. <laughs> so I reckon lockdown. Uh, you only can lock down one if you have to, and I'd be yeah. locking down uh, Lockie Neal. Yeah, I'd be different, but that's what makes this podcast great. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Um, we briefly mentioned their back six, um, Frio. Uh, we have Pierce, Wilson, Hamling, Johnson, and uh, their Luke Ryan. Um, but they have problems up forward, as you said. Is McCarthy play too deep? Tabner's not going to be there, so where do they play McCarthy? And... Yeah, can you play Walters, Ballantyne, and Matera all in the front? Okay, I don't. I don't actually rate Matera. Now, the only good reason for Frio getting Matera is he can play forward, and that frees up Walters. I think he's so damaging in that midfield and can kick goals from that midfield. So I wouldn't play but him. Deep. He played all game last week up front. And he kicked five goals. Yeah, but didn't he kick five and have 30 disposals last year before he got injured in the mids yeah, playing like for cancer? Not... So that's what I'm saying. But I, I love him as a midfield. Oh, well, he can play in there. He's their best forward. Yeah. But I would play him in the mid. <laughs> I don't think it matters where McCarthy plays. McCarthy had an average, no, I'll say a good season when he played for the Giants because he had a couple better power forwards around him. He hasn't got much better power forwards around him now at Freo, especially with Tarbiner out. So yeah, that's what I don't I'm think saying. it matters where he plays. So, but McCarthy, he's going to be their tall forward option. You've got Kirsten will come in. Um, I, I can't... You, we, we've said it. Their forward line is their weakness. And I think it can get exposed this week because our back line is one of our strengths. So I'd love to see who plays on McCarthy. Um, I've got a feeling they're going to bring one of my favourite players in. Schofield. Yep. And I pick it. Um, it's not a bad move. Um, actually, no, I, I don't think they would. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, no, I'm just trying to think of how many tools they've got into that sort. And I know Schofield has, can play on smalls, but I think with Barras McGovern in, I think, I'm trying to think, McCarthy's with Tabernet out is going to be... Their main tool, unless, like you said, they bring Kirsten. Um, so yeah, I don't think they will stock up too high because they won't want the small players to be able to run off these bigger players. And it's just funny. I'll quickly hit on Ballantyne, and this is a little off topic. God, aren't him and Lacroix on just polar opposites right now? Oh, yeah. Both 30-plus small forwards. Yeah. Lacroix is a bit taller but plays that small forward role, and yet... Ballantyne hasn't played too bad. He's not kicking any goals, though. His he's effort's only there. One. Yeah, yeah, he's getting one a game. But he... um, I don't think he's... Has he kicked five goals for the year yet? 
Yeah, I think he has. Because oh, I did check Just this. over. Lacroix right now is seventh on the Coleman. Oh, Lacroix is a better player. So it's like both supporters were a bit iffy on should Lacroix sign, should Ballantyne sign. And they both did. Um, going on another year, and I just find like Lacroix really stood up. But I reckon if you seriously ask the supporters about Ballantyne, I reckon his own supporters might eat him alive a bit. To be honest. Oh yeah, look, if he doesn't perform, they'll like like you said, they'll eat him up. Um, we talked enough about bloody Frio players. Um, you know, our forward line's doing pretty good itself. Um, Liam Ryan's out now. Venable's out. JK's back. I thought he got triple teamed on the weekend he has to have a lot more space this weekend to be effective um but i reckon the game's going to be won and everyone's saying oh their mids and our backs whoever gets on top in the ruck is going to go a long way to producing the winner of this game now can nick nat and lysett bring down sandy let me go off very off topic once. You mentioned JK getting triple teamed and that just gets back right to the beginning conversation because I forgot to mention this then. And sorry, I have gone on a bit of a tangent here, people. That's what the podcast that, was. Yeah, but that's what I said with Carlton. They brought a different game style of play to that game. They weren't doing that. They had Liam Jones as the solid one full back and he was playing off the players. Like people were having field days on him. I think Lynch kicked, was it Lynch that kicked eight on him at the beginning of the season? Where this, they were having two players on the main forwards and Lynch was playing on like the third, fourth yep. forward and he was running and being the third man up kind of thing and spoiling it. So I'll get off that time. I just forgot to mention that earlier. So again, their game style was a completely different defensive game style. So, all right. Now, Nick, Nat, and I said, I actually agree with that statement 100%. I reckon they are going to be the difference. If they don't get on top of Sanderlands and we don't get that effect of them dominating. But the pressure around the game, because realistically, we've talked about Lysett being a bit of a contested beast. Him and Nick, Nat need to put the pressure... Not so much on Sanderlands, as I hope they went to, but put the pressure on those Fremantle mids that we've touched on that are already so good. So, yeah, we'll have shut, try shut down one, run with the others, but we need our rucks to put pressure on them too so they're not getting clean disposals. They're not getting the ball out on the outside, you know. So I think that's where they're going to be very crucial to this game. Right. Another topic we do on our Next Generation discussion page is who comes in, who goes out. Now... Do we make changes? I think Jetta will come back in. He'll add some pace because yeah. Simo said we lacked a bit of pace. So he will come in. Unfortunately, he goes out. Um, I only can see one other person going out, and it'll be Hutch, Hutch again. Yeah. See, or do they take a risk and you say Waterman, the revolving door, give him a? He's had a bit of a go. Give him a rest and bring in another young gun. Blood a debutant. It's going to be hungry, small, add some pace as well in Petrocelli. <laughs> Many faceted question there. This, I'm sitting there and I've got all these things in my head. Um, okay, Jetta has to come in. Now, Jetta's been playing in the back line. So in my head, I'm thinking, what, what backman would you take out? And Cole was the replacement for Jetta, but he had too good a game to come out. So it has to be... Nelson and for the disclaimer, I I like Nelson because people think I don't like the play because but he's not setting the world alight back. But this is your like for like. Why do we need to take out a backman to put Jetta in? So we could 
play Jetta anyway. He could play in the guts. Because they play... Yeah, that, that, that's why I said play if we go for like for like, because he's been playing in the back yeah. line. Um, if it's in the midfield, it would be Hutch. But see, they might keep Hutching in to go with the tag with Rob. Um, so to me, Nelson out, and the reason why he's averaging eight disposals... Um, one tackle a game. People are saying he's playing a defensive game, but it's not actually true. He had nine disposals last week and only three of them were contested. So if you're getting uncontested disposals, you're not playing on a player because it's an uncontested disposal. Um, but as I said, I actually do like Nelson because people think I'm being critical on that player because I don't like him. He's a great young player, but as I repeatedly say on this show, there is nothing wrong with these young players going back to East Perth to get form because he's very quick and he takes the game on and that's what I want him to bring in. Yep. And that's where I say Jeddah and him are similar styles of play where they're both, we want rebound out of the back half from them both. Um, so that's the only reason that because Cole did so well, it's now Cole's position. Yeah, Sounds it's his harsh. position to lose um, now. All right, winner and margin. Well... I'll give you an actual actual number this time because I can t- tend to give you a range a lot of times. I, was, I reckon Eagles by 18. 18 points. 18 points. <laughs> oh, I'll take the goals, but yeah, the points. All right. I'm, I'm uh, going to go. Ready for it? No, I'm not going. For <laughs> you teased him. I loved him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm going for the Eagles, and I reckon they'll win by about 27 points. So I'm hoping they will anyway. So before we wrap up tonight, I'm just going to do a bit of a spotlight. I said I'd touch on this uh, beforehand. Um, this is for the Rose Coloured Society. Um, every every team has these guys as fans. So don't take it too personally. But this is the way I saw the game against Carlton. Last week on social media, a lot of Eagles fans were saying it's going to be a walkover, it's going to be a 10-goal win. And I got on there and said, don't get too cocky because it's going to be a lot closer than you think. Um, And I was right because the Blues came to play and we walked away with a 10-point win. Yes, it was a dowgly, gritty arm wrestle from start to finish and we came out on top and we won. It was cool. But in other people's defence, they said, oh, but if we had a kick straight, we'd have won by 10 goals. If is a big word, and they didn't. And if you want to have a look at facts, they kicked seven of our ten goals in red red zone, which is time on. So we're pretty lucky to win the game. So my point is, just because you're in form or your ladder position says you should win, doesn't mean you're going to win. So you should never expect it and don't disrespect it. It's good to have faith, but do your homework on grounds and team matchups because some teams will match up good on each other. And the Blues always match up good on us. End of the day, it's our fourth in a row. Now we've got a big test coming. The next four weeks will shape our season. And if we win all them, great. But don't get cocky again because the season is 23 rounds. Let's hope we're at the top when it counts because no one wins a premiership in April. Um, I can't help but agree. I said something very similar for the Suns game. Um, as I said, we, we are a rebuilding side. You can't have... 10 list turnovers at the end of the year and not be a, a rebuilding side with five debutants too already so far this season. Um, but yeah, I find it arrogant to think you're just going to go out there and destroy teams, especially away on bogey grounds. I've touched on already Carlton's game style 
was going to be a grind. I do agree with if we kicked straight, we would have gone a bit better. But, oh, of course. But, but we, did. we didn't, and we still won the, the game, you know, so we still ground that out. Um, I'm just sick and tired of seeing Ray's kind of glass, glass um, supporters. Can't see anything wrong, though. Just everything's so rosy, hence the word rose-coloured glasses. Um, you're not going to go out and win a game by 10 goals every week. Even though you'd like to, you know, we won by 80 points. Great. We played Carlton over, I mean, Gold Coast here. If we had to play Carlton here, we might have done the same. But last year, people were saying it, and we beat Carlton by 17 points. The year before, we said exactly the same thing. We won by seven points. Um, you know, some people were sitting there going, oh, we're going to kill Frio this week. We're not going to kill Frio this week because of the way the guys play and the way we play. I hope we kill Frio this week. Yes, I No, nah, but um, <laughs> it's funny you said that because you actually went back to previous history and I, I don't think people really realised it, that uh, Carlton play well against the Eagles. I don't know what it is. We're still getting the win, but they're close games usually. We don't tend to blow Carlton out the water. There's te- teams like Brisbane Lions, we do that too. But as I said, it's more the the thing I don't like. It's actually I'm not having a spotlight, Dan spotlight this week. But I'll attach one onto yours. The ones I don't like is when you win a game and then afterwards you come out and you slam the team. You know you should have lost. You should have done this. It's like, mate, we got the four points. What are you, what are you upset yeah. about? And as I touched on before, it was a horrible game. Like because it was that was the top. They just flooded the contest. So they didn't flood back as. Much they actually flooded the contest, so there was no clean disposal. There was no quick exits out of there, and that's I, what it was. It was a slow grind actually, that game. I actually liked the game because we come out on top, and it showed that we can withstand the pressure. So, oh, I liked the win. <laughs> anyway, guys, it's been a good show for us tonight. I hope you've enjoyed. Um, we're now on iTunes, so you can go there if it's easier for you. Um, Add it to your podcast library. We're also on SoundCloud, Twitter, and Instagram. And, of course, our two Facebook pages are the Next Generation Podcast page and the West Coast Eagles Next Generation Discussion Group page. Uh, tomorrow, if you're listening to this, don't forget to honour our diggers because they fought for our freedom that we enjoy today. And thanks again to Joe from Grand Sile Homes for being our podcast partner for this week and don't forget to give them a call if you're looking for a new house to build but next week we'll probably come to you on a different day again we haven't decided yet it's either going to be a Tuesday or Thursday because Wednesday is my ninth wedding anniversary and while I love my footy and I love my podcasts I love my wife more I hope you heard that honey so let's hope we have a big win and then next week we play Port then it's who? Giants Giants and then Richmond it will shape our season and look if we win three or four of those four we're in for a good year and start booking your tickets for the grand final don't say that Um, yeah to be honest next four games if we get two wins I reckon that's a good achievement with four already in the bag so alright thanks a lot Dan for joining us again Uh, next week we'll come with another riveting show I hope let's hope so alright enjoy your time out there see you next week this is the next generation
Sanson.